Thank you for listening to the Fearless LA podcast. We believe that where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today to hear a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Jeremy Johnson. I'm going to have my wife read a few scriptures here, and, um, and then we're going to kind of lay out the value that we're going to be talking about tonight. We, we've entitled this uh, collection of thoughts um, or a sermon, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we've entitled it Family Values. And uh, to us, these things are things that, that we, we're going to say as a family, and what we're hoping a group of people would with us, that these things have weight with us. You know, there's a lot of things in life that, that want to have weight in your life. Uh, but we want to take about 10 things, and we want to say, you know what, things come and go, things change. We're all growing. We're all getting older. We're all, you know, priorities change, life changes. But we want to have some things in our life that remain the same. And so that we can continue to anchor our spirit as we move forward in life towards who God has called us to be. No matter if you're on day one of the journey or you're on day 129 of the journey, we want to have some solid things in our life that we can anchor ourselves to. Uh, the best way I can describe this is this book I was reading and about. Uh, it's it's, a, it's a, like a picture of the spiritual life. And the guy talks about climbing the mountain of God. He says at the bottom of the mountain is real easy to climb because the, the, the ledges were big and wide. Uh, but as he went up the mountain, the hill got slipperier, slipperier and the, the ledges got smaller. And he had to begin to learn that the sword he, he had been given, which we know the sword is our word, was given to him not to just fight the enemy, but it was given to him to, 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 to hold himself to the mountain. So he didn't fall back down. I just think in life, as we go deeper in this, we really need some things in the word with that sword that, will, that we can anchor ourselves into the mountain as we climb to who God has called us to be and to look more and more like Jesus. I pray that when I'm 80, I'm better than when I'm 40, right? Amen? Better at 80. Come on. That's what, that's what we're hoping for. And that, that if we get these values. And so we've been talking through these. And tonight, we, we want to we wanna go after the value of Honor is our privilege. Come on, say that with me. One, two, three. Honor, honor is, is our, our privilege. privilege. If, you can, if you can, for the rest of your life, you can make honor a privilege, something that you are privileged to give, then you, that is an anchor that is worth keeping. And I believe it's an anchor in the Bible that all through the Bible we see honor. And we said, okay, this is an important value, but how are we going to think about honor? And me and my wife said, man, we think about honor as honor is a privilege. Uh, because honor is something you cannot put on yourself. I mean, you can, but, you know, it's a little strange. <laughs> if you put honor on yourself, it's called pride, you know, and, and you say, man, I'm really good at stuff, or I can do that, and I can do this, and I, how many of you guys know the person that can do everything? Usually there, you find that they really can do nothing and that they lie a lot. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. I can do everything. I'm good at everything. And you're like, God, can, you're hoping they're bad at something, because even if they're good at it, Honor gets awkward when you start putting it on yourself. In fact, honor was given to us as a gift to clothe each other with, even to God, even that God does not put honor on himself. He waits for his people to honor him. And so we're going to talk about honor, and, and I think it's an important thing. So we're going to read from Second Chronicles chapter 7, and then by the end of this, we're going to give you an opportunity to honor God uh, with your time and your finances, and we're going to believe for what we're believing for in our building 
Uh, we've done a lot of a lot of pre-work, and we're going to show you all that. But we're going to believe that we're going to have a moment of honor for this new building, and it's going to be just such a heavenly moment. And so I'm going to have Christy read kind of what I feel like uh, the Lord told me is is a same moment that these people had when they built a temple for God. And there's this, you know, the, the whole history up until this moment is pretty pretty wild is that God did not have a temple or a house. In fact, they, they would build a tent, a pop-up shelter, where they would come meet with God and the priests would meet with God all through the desert, all through their land. And, and finally, when they got into the promised land, they kind of went on with their lives. They, 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 you know, they started building homes for themselves. God did amazing things in their life. They, they had you know, fruit, that, and, and it was the land flowing with milk and honey. But because they got so busy with their lives, they kind of neglected, you know, they left God how he was in his, in his tent. And King David, how many of you guys have heard of King David before? King David said, God, I, I want to give you a home. And I think he probably got convicted by living in a palace. And here's God over in the tent, the tent of the tabernacle. And, and, and I believe King David got convicted. And he said, God, I want to build you a home. So he set out to build him a home. But the Lord spoke to David and said, David, because of your hands have shed innocent blood and and some of the things that David had done as he was trying to be a man of God, but he was going back and forth on that. God said, your son will build the temple. And so I want you to set your son up. So David literally his whole life after God speaks, that was was given to him, his son, empowering his son to build this crazy temple. And we find out that this temple was so extravagant, they ended up spending about $300 million on building this temple. In fact, the Queen of Sheba came and visited, and she brought timber and all this. Like other kings from other kingdoms were hearing about what the people of God were doing and how extravagant it was going to be. And they were just blown away because it was the only temple at the time that didn't have an idol in it. Every other big building or thing, they would put an idol in it to protect the building, to to oversee the building so that the gods could meet with them in that building. And so it was the only temple. They were building this giant temple without putting an idol in it. So they were all curious as to why would you build a temple for no one to live in it? But what we know is that the presence of God was going to be inhabited in that place. And, and you know, God and idols don't get along. (laughs) And so... Uh, people would come and they started putting stuff towards this. And there's this moment, this red tape cutting, this red ribbon cutting moment where all the town came out, where they, where they honored God. And they said, God, here's your, here's your house. And this is going to be a house that we can call our house and your house. And we'll meet together here. And how many of you guys know that looks like the church, huh? Uh, that looks like us and the church coming together. And so they, they cut that ribbon, and, and the, the, the moment happens, and this is that moment. And, and, and you can understand 400, 500 years of God living in a tent, and, and the priest going into the tent and meeting with God. And, and uh, I, I want you to see this in the Scripture, because I really think it means something for us here in this place we're in. Amen? Amen. And Second Chronicles 7, verse 1, when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. So, so I mean, you get this picture. They cut the red ribbon. Solomon goes, all right, guys, we're going to pray. And they pray, and fire literally falls from heaven. This is, this is amazing. I mean, this is, 
I know we're just reading like fire falls from heaven, but I'm telling you, fire comes down from heaven after this moment. And the glory of the Lord filled go. the temple, and the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. Wow. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God, and the priests attended to their services, the Levites also with instruments of the music of the Lord, which King David had made to praise the Lord, saying, for his mercy endures forever. Wherever, Whenever David offered praise by their ministry, the priests sounded trumpets opposite them while all Israel stood. Furthermore, Solomon consecrated the middle of the court that was in front of the house of the Lord. For there he offered burnt offerings and the fat of the peace offerings, because the bronze altar which Solomon had made was not able to receive the burnt offerings, the grain offerings, and the fat. Okay, and skip this and then head down there, 12, verse 12. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer, and I've chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer made in this place. Wow. For now I have chosen and sacrificed and sanctified this house that may, my name may be there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Come on. Wow. Amen. Now, I don't know if you've heard that verse before where it says, if my people will humble themselves. Who's, who's heard that verse? But what I didn't catch is that where it was in the scripture. And when I read that, it, it shocked me because I've always just thought, Wow, if I just humble myself, if I'll just pray, if I'll just go after God, then God's just going to hear my prayers and, and he's going to heal my land. How many guys have thought that? You know, we just say, hey, we're just going to do this. But I didn't catch the moment preceding this. The, the Bible says that Solomon, how many cows did he, I mean, how many bulls? Look, at, look how many bulls. Wait, 20, 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep. 340000 I added that up, and today a, a bull goes for $4,800, a sheep for about $250. If you add that up, it's $135 million worth of things they laid on the altar. That's not to count the grain that they put in. And so these people, I mean, they just spent $300 million on building a building for God. <laughs> God was okay with a tent. They're like, nope, you're not living in a tent. We're going big. We're not going kind of big. We're not going a new house big. We're, we're going extravagant. We're laying it all on the line. This is going to come through two generations. We're going to prepare for this. Queen of Sheba is showing up. We're going to make this a big deal. And God, that's not it. Before we open this place, we are sacrificing every stinking bull in the land. I mean, if you want steak, you're not going to get it for two months because we are sacrificing every bull. You know how 
how, you know how powerful that was for them to sacrifice the bull. The bull was the, the, the bull was the one that continued the line. You understand, when they sacrificed the bull, they sacrificed the whole farm. You understand, they, they got rid of the bull, they got rid of the future of that farm. They said, God, all of our future, we hand it to you. And, and they, they said $135 million they laid on the altar and burned it up. And then they, the grain was so full in the grain offering, which was, the, you know, some people, that was their offering. That was what they had. Their, their, the first of their increase was so full, it was overflowing on the temple. And the Bible says when they prayed, then fire fell from heaven. The glory of God came down and the priest, the pastor, couldn't even do his job. Now, I call that church. Like real church. Like, like I mean, I, and I, I, th I don't think we've yet to see that kind of church yet at Fearless even. We've had some great nights. We've had some encounters. We had God move. People come to me all the time. Man, I was crying the whole service. How did you know everything about my life? And I'm like, I didn't know anything. God knew everything. And thank you for coming. And thank you for being open. But I don't believe we've had the kind of services that they had yet. But I believe that those kind of moments come through moments of obedience, through sacrifice. And they were obedient to build God a tabernacle, a place of dwelling, and they went all in. They didn't go partway in. They didn't go halfway in. They went all in. And, and the Bible says that the glory of God showed up. Why, why does that word matter? Glory. Why couldn't it be another word? Because gl glory is different than honor. We're talking about honor tonight, right? Honor is my privilege. Glory is the intrinsic value of, of an item. That's glory. It, it, is, it is like a mirror to the item. It, whatever value is in it, it reflects it. That's the glory. So, so I believe, you know, you know, remember Jesus, he said this. He said, one day I'm going to come back in all my glory with all my angels. And we know that, that you know, around the throne, you know, in the, in the book of Revelation, we know around the throne, they say there was 10,000 upon 10,000 angels. That's 100 million angels just around the throne Jesus says one day I'm coming back I'm not coming back right now but one day I'm coming back I'm gonna open the sky I'm gonna come back in all my glory he didn't say I'm gonna come back in all my honor he said I'm gonna come back in all my glory because glory is a perfect reflection of what something is with all my angels so just around the throne there's a hundred million angels whenever someone's seen an angel in the bible they fell over like a dead man ask him please leave don't kill me one angel He's coming back, I don't know with how many angels. When I come back in all my glory with all my angels, people, the, the Bible begins to say, in those days, people will cry out for the rocks to fall on them because the weight of his glory will be so heavy. God comes down in this temple with that kind of glory. The fire falls, the glory shows up, and angels are silent. The people, every person bows down, falls to their face, and the priest cannot talk. Now, I'm just to tell you, if you ever meet a pastor that has nothing to say, you didn't meet a pastor. Right? Give me five more minutes. One more. You get five more minutes? Five. Pastors talk forever. Why? Because this is what we're called to do. The pastors couldn't even minister because the glory of God was so heavy. Why? Why did the glory of God show up like that and it's not showing up like that now in our day and day? 
Why did that happen? Did, did it just happen because they humbled themselves and they prayed? No, it was what, what, it was what preceded their prayers. And it was what was going to follow their prayers. It's what preceded their prayers. And it's what was going to follow their prayers. And it's that they sacrificed. It was, a, it was a sacrifice out of obedience. See, God doesn't just want sacrifice. Because God doesn't. God tells them later, hey, I don't, I don't like the smell of burning bulls. Like, that's not, like, I'm not, it's not like my favorite cologne. Like, I, I'm, I'm not drawn to sacrifice. I'm drawn to obedience. Because they start getting, oh, if we just sacrifice. No, God says, I. I want obedience. I, I want, I want to, that's because that's what a father longs for. And my kids, the greatest thing they could do is obey my voice. Because when they obey my voice, it shows that they trust me more than all other voices. That my voice matters to them. See, that's the character of God. God is not up here as a dictator like, obey me, obey. No, if he wanted you to obey him, you would be obeying him. <laughs> but that wouldn't be love. He would rather your love than your obedience. But what if you could give both? Because my kids love me even when they don't obey me, but they don't trust me. They trust their self more than they trust my voice. See, that's why with our kids, we're always saying the greatest kind of obedience is first time obedience. Because delayed obedience is disobedience. You know, Lyric does it first, and then Brave's like, I'm like, Brave, Brave. Brave, fourth time. Brave, brave. And finally he does it because I'm like, I'm going to take this away. I'm going to burn down the house. You better get over here, son. I mean, I'm, t I'm, I'm throwing everything in there to get him to just listen to my voice. Tell me I'm excited when he finally does it. No, I'm like, no, it took you way too long. You don't trust my voice. I had to throw it all in there. But to the one, but now, you know, we've been, we've been changing Brave's diet. He has ADD. We've been changing his diet and helping him with that. And we learned that it wasn't his fault that he was not obeying, but he was just kind of having some different things. And, and as we've changed his diet, you know, it's beautiful. He, he's beginning to have first-time obedience. And you know how proud I am as a dad when, when I say, hey, Brave, can you do this? And he's just already doing it. I'm like, Whoa, what's going on? Is that Brave? Did someone, mess, did someone take our son? Is that an alien? Like, like, and, and I feel like for us, I want to shock the heart of God like that. I want to be a person with extreme obedience, radical obedience. And you know how it's going to come? It's going to come when we change our diet. When we begin to change our diet, we begin to, we begin to eat the right things. We begin to nourish ourselves with the right things. And we begin to get these values in us. See, see God is glorious whether you call him glorious or not. God, God, if he looks in a mirror, the glory of God, the presence of God, the glory of God would be so bright. Moses actually got to see God face to face. And, and God says, well, I can't really show you my face, so I'll just show you my back. And so God just kind of walked by the glory of his back, the glory of God's back. I mean, who has a back like that? You say, baby got back? I'm telling you, God got back. And, and God, <laughs> he said, can he say that in church? I don't know. I just said it. We'll see what happens. Are you okay with that? He said, yeah. Okay. The God's back was so radiant with this glory that Moses' face, when he comes down from the mountain, it's glowing. And he gets embarrassed and he just like puts something over his head. Like, like just, he's just like, I can't do this. Everyone's looking at me. My face is glowing. Why? Because when you get that close to that kind of glory, it reflects off of you. How many would like to be next to that kind of glory of God? And so that is, it is what it is. So how come we don't see that? Because honor, here's how honor works. Honor is something you can only put on somebody else. Honor 
is your perceived value of how weighty that glory is. Honor is your perceived value of how weighty that glory is. You know when you dishonor someone, it's because you don't perceive value in them. It doesn't matter if, 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 if you perceive, this is the good thing about, you don't have to worry about how people perceive you because your value does not change based on how someone perceives you. Here's, here's how, the best way I can say it. And the same thing is with God. In my pocket, I got five bucks and I got a dollar over here. It's, man, this is really wrinkly. And then over here in this pocket, I got, or I did have, yeah, there it is. I have two quarters. And my kids, like, you know, they're starting to get smarter now. But I wanted to teach them about how to count and how to do money. And so I would just say, hey, what do you want? And I just put it out. I'd lay this out. I got this. I got this. Or I got these. And guess what? When they were little, what they would choose every time. Who, who, what would they choose? The two quarters. Why? Oh, because there's two of them. And they're shiny. And, and, I, and I can fit in my pocket. They, they're, they're weighty. They're heavier. So they got to be worth more. And so Brave would pick the two quarters and Lyra would go, ah, she's seven. He was six. Nah, I think I'll take this one. Why you take that one, Lyric? Well, it's got a five on it. But it's not as heavy as the quarters. It's not as shiny as the quarters. And she said, oh, that doesn't matter. It has more value than the quarters. See, see, just because Brave saw these quarters and ascribed more honor to them than he did the $5, it didn't actually change the value of the substance. You see, so if someone looks at you and goes, ah, not you, I'll pass on it. You're just wrinkled and light, and, but I'll take this. And they're looking for, look, some of you that got broken up with and someone said, I'll find someone better. You say, oh, great, awesome. Uh, just because you didn't honor who I am doesn't mean there isn't intrinsic value inside of me. When people see you and they go, I don't think God could ever use you. You are a, right? And they, they don't see value in, they dishonor you. They gossip about you. They talk bad about you. They turn on you. They walk out on you. Hey, don't let it, don't let it trick you. Don't you start honoring yourself like they honor you. You begin to ask the Lord to honor, Lord, I want to receive your honor over my life because my value hasn't changed. And let me say it this way. And the same way with you is the same way with God. Just because people don't choose God does not change his value. Just because people don't worship God does not change his glory. Just people, just people don't put him first in their life does not change the fact that he should be first. See, the Bible says right now we see dimly through, through, through a window, but one day we're going to see him face to face. I wonder if the God you've been worshiping will be the God you see. See, see, we, we, we keep one, we keep one, we keep, we keep going, man, uh, you know, man, I, my God is so, you know, he's, he's not there. And, and, and then we see things that God does and we go, man, my God doesn't do that. I wish he would. And, and, and I would say either, you either get, you either get subject to your perception or you change your perception. We need to begin to pray, God, change my perception of you. Because what I know of you is church, what I know of you as a person, what I know of you are Christians, but I want to know you for who you are. I want to see you face to face. we got to pray wild prayers, dangerous prayers. When we get in our prayer closet, we begin to say, God, I want to know, I want to know your real value. And as long as we don't know his real value, we will always choose lesser things. Choose, we'll choose a relationship, we'll choose a dream, we'll choose a job. Look, God is... The, the, the God of the universe, he is so valuable, he should be able to ask you to give up anything and you say yes. 
Look at Abraham. He said, Abraham, your only son, the one you have, do you still love me? If you really love me, go sacrifice your son on a mountain. What? You know what God was saying? Is you like what's shiny more than what's valuable. And I gave you that. You know what Abraham does? He goes, come on, son, let's go yonder and worship. Why? Because he knew that God that was calling him to sacrifice his son had the power to raise his son from the dead, even if he sacrificed him. If he trusts and obey. And guess what? God provides a sacrifice. And guess what? This temple that was built was built on that very mountain. The Mount Moriah, where, where, where Isaac, uh, Abraham brings his son to sacrifice him. God provides a sacrifice. In, 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 see, God will never ask you to sacrifice in a place he hasn't already sacrificed. He already provided a sacrifice on this very mountain that they would provide new bulls and new rams. And this was the very same area where Jesus would die on a cross. And God would put him between two thieves and he would die for us. He would be the sacrifice worth more than those hundreds of thousands of bulls and worth more than the hundreds of thousands of sheep that God would sacrifice out of obedience to, our, to this love for us. And look, I'm telling you tonight, it is our honor. It is our, it is our great, it is our privilege to honor our God. It is something God has given us that no one can take from us but ourselves. No situation. No, I didn't like that song. Oh, I didn't like how the pastor talked about giving, so I'm just not going to give. No, don't let outward things stop how you honor your God. Come on, you be a person of honor. You be a person that says, God, we're going to ascribe great honor to you. It is our privilege to tell you who you are. Because you are better than I thought you were. God, we need to start praying. God, change my eyes. Change my eyes to see who you are. And I love this moment because when they, when they bring this sacrifice, their ultimate goal is to, is to get back to the garden. That's the whole reason why they're building this, this, this pattern and the, the tent and the tabernacle was all to get back to the garden where Adam and Eve walked with God and they saw God face to face. In other words, they saw his glory face to face every day and they had no needs. Notice when the glory of God leaves the garden, Adam realized he was naked and he was full of shame and guilt. What would happen in our lives if the glory of God came back in our lives? That shame would be removed. That guilt would be removed. We'd stop looking at ourselves like not enough and we'd say, God, you are enough. And so they were building this tabernacle. All the steps, all the process, even the direction they were going, they got kicked out of the garden a certain direction and they actually made the direction of entering the temple the opposite way. It was entering the presence of God. And how many of you guys know that we don't worship in a temple made by hands anymore? This is a nightclub, but that we are the living temples of God. And that when Jesus died on the cross, the veil that separated in the temple, the Holy of Holies, where God was, they, they believed that the presence of God was the thickest. Only a priest could go in there once a year. That veil that separated sin and sinful man from the presence of God that veil, when Jesus died on the cross, it was a trip, but that veil tore from the top to the bottom. Not from the bottom up, where a man could have done it. Tore from the very top, hundreds of feet up to the bottom. Almost like God was saying, hello, get me out of this little house. And he was inviting us in. He was inviting us in. Why? Because Jesus became the sacrifice that covered us so that we could boldly go before his throne of grace. And we can... Okay. Good. So all that to say, 
we are building a temple. We're not building a temple because we're trying to repeat having a temple when we don't need a temple. We're trying to have a house for God in L.A. that the broken could come and that God could meet us there. And that in that place, God would answer our prayers and he would move. His heart would be moved. And I just believe that before we get there, we need to bring a sacrifice of praise in our giving. And I'm just inviting people, you know, up until that moment, King Solomon, he gave. And they seen the building built. He, he stepped out and, and sowed and believed. But in that moment of the ribbon cutting, he asked others if they wanted to give. He basically said, the altar is set up. And he said, if you want to bring your sheep and your lambs and your goats and your grain, the altar is set up. And I want everyone to have the opportunity to be a part of this moment. And people from everywhere brought their gift to God because they were saying, God, I honor you. I ascribe honor to you. And because of that, them ascribing honor, the presence and the glory of God showed up in such a way that it changed their whole nation. And I'm believing that for not just this city, but I'm believing that for our nation. I really believe as we step into this new building, this building is, is, in, is positioned to affect and change a nation. Thank you for listening. If you have something you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. Visit fearlessla.com slash fearless TV to fill out a prayer request or to find more information about Fearless LA.